the Gubby Gubby are the traditional custodians of the lands we record this podcast on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, as they hold the memories, tradition and culture of this land. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Hello, I'm Kate Fisher. Welcome to Milkshakes for Mali, the podcast that tells the stories of blood donors and their recipients. We thank donors and encourage people to donate blood, plasma, platelets and breast milk. If you have ever been a donor, you could be the one who saved, prolonged or improved the quality of life of the person that we profile here each week on the podcast. And becoming a donor in the future means that you too could become a part of this story. On this week's episode, I chat with Fiona Rewalt. The Rewalt family name is so well known in Australia due to the careers of cousins Nick and Jack in the AFL. Jack with the Richmond Tigers and Nick with the St Kilda Football Club and now with AFL commentary and sports media. But today's story is about Maddie. Maddie Rewalt was just 26 years old when she died from complications of a bone marrow failure syndrome called aplastic anemia. After her passing, her parents Fiona and Joe and brothers Nick and Alex founded the organisation Maddie Rewalt's Vision. You'll hear us refer to this during this episode as MRV. This was to honour Maddie's wish to promote the message of the importance of blood donation. The organisation has now grown to fund research and the next generation of prevention, diagnosis and treatment of bone marrow failure syndromes while supporting patients and their families. November is Maddie's month and MRV invites all Australians to help change a life one bite at a time by purchasing specially marked packs of Flavorite capsicums and tomatoes at Coles and to join the fight against bone marrow failure syndromes. Today, Maddie's mum, Fiona, joins me to talk about Maddie, the life that she lived, the incredible mark she left on this world, and what it means to fight like Maddie. Today, I have Fiona Rewalt. So welcome to the Milkshakes for Mali podcast and community. Thank you, Kate. Lovely to be talking with you. Thank you. Um, now, regular listeners of the pod will have heard us talk about Maddie, um, aplastic anemia and Maddie's vision. Um, and just at the top of this episode, I just want to extend our deepest condolences to you and to your whole family. Thank you. Um, Thank you. We're just so sorry for your loss. And yeah, if there's anything that we can do at the Milkshakes for Mali community to help further spread the message of the amazing things you guys are doing now, please reach out. Um, I know our listeners have been very keen for me to talk to you. So thank you. hopefully we can make a beautiful episode today. Um, just as I was about to get in on this call, my husband, who grew up in Sandy Bay in Hobart, asked me who I was interviewing today. And when I said that it was you, he had a bit of a chuckle and told me that he played in the under eights, Sandy Bay Seagulls with Nick when you guys lived in Hobart. Oh, and he no. said he's going to dig out a photo. So hopefully we can find it before we put this episode out. Apparently there was a collaboration. They were the Seagulls and they collaborated with the Seahawks or something to get yes. us together oh, in the under eights. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Everyone always jokes that uh, Tasmania is such a small place that everybody knows everybody. And so yeah. there, we've joined the dots right at the beginning of the episode. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> so we go way back. <laughs> oh, golly. Oh. Do, you, do you miss living in Tasmania? 
Um, yes and no. I, I think um, I love going back there. Mum's yeah. there. Um, so I do go back regularly and we always go at Christmas. Yeah. And um, have a few weeks down there. Mm. Um, yes, it's always home. Yeah. And there's a very special feeling that I get. And I, I often say it to my family that when we're driving down to Orford, which is yep. the place that we go to, and it, Maddie always called it her happy place. Oh, really? And so that's where we took her. That's where Maddie is. And right. that's where we go to be with her. And as we drive down, it's rather beautiful. You drive down a section of road called Paradise mm -hmm. and um, it, it's hilly and you come down around the side of the river and up over the hill and, I can feel this feeling coming over me as I get there and it's just one of total peace wow. and warmth, even though it's probably not warm, um, and it's just this gentle, we call it also a healing place mm -hmm. and um, so it is very special. It is very mm -hmm. special to us and... and you know, I have beautiful memories of, of my children growing up in Tassie. And yeah. um, although, you know, Maddie was only three when we left, she always, Hobart was special and offered even more so. So, yeah. yes, I do. But I love being in Melbourne close to my boys. So. Yes, absolutely. That's also important. Yeah. Um, so listeners of our pod are quite familiar with Maddie's story. Um, she has already been woven through so much of this podcast and the work of Maddie's vision just keeps popping up in other stories and episodes that we've done. Um, obviously with the beautiful Reggie Bird, who's your mate, and she spoke about you so fondly when she spoke um, on our podcast and thanked blood donors for improving Maddie's quality of life um, and giving her a little bit of extra time and giving her a fighting chance. Um, and she was so grateful for that time that she had. Um, have you spoken with Reggie after her most recent diagnosis? Um, we haven't. We've we've been messaging and and um, it's oh, life can be very cruel, mm -hmm. and in lots of ways, Reggie reminds me very much of Maddie in her her ability to just accept your lot yeah. and get on with it and, you know, try to educate other people mm. that, you know, these things do happen and you just can't go down in a heap. No. And she no. is one tough girl, Rich, mm. and um, I think that's why she and Maddie hit it off so well together yeah. but she has a lot to cope with Reg and it's and she just amazes me she never mm. ceases to amaze me what no, she copes with I admire her so much and yes when she made the announcement about that diagnosis and she's starting to put together her bucket list of things that she wants to do before she completely loses her hearing and her vision um, we had a bit of a chat about what we could do and she is going to do a blood donation for the Milkshakes for Mali Lifeblood team and become a bit of an ambassador for that Lifeblood team, Wonderful. And it, which is so reflective of what you just said. It wasn't, you know, 
I want to go and see something amazing or do something for me. It's what can I do to use this time to raise awareness about other conditions and to help other people. And I just, yeah, I just think she's such a phenomenal Australian and I think people could learn a lot from her. Absolutely agree. Um, Maddie also featured, and the work of Maddie's vision in particular, featured very heavily in our episode that we did last season, another Tassie connection, um, Seth's aplastic anemia journey. If listeners go back to season one, they can listen to that episode. Jess spoke, his mum spoke to me so much about the incredible support and information that your organisation, Maddie's Vision, has offered the family. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about the work that Maddie's Vision does now? Oh, golly, we've come such a long way in such a short space of time. And initially, um, Maddie's wish was, first of all, to educate people Mm -hmm. about donating blood and blood products because, you know, as so many of your listeners will know, some of these illnesses, you become transfusion dependent. So that was our initial little aim. Yeah. And then it just, it grew. Mm-hmm. And it grew to the point where um, there were so many other issues that arose during Maddie's journey that we had to go spreading tentacles out to try and fix all these things that nobody knew much about. Mm. So what Maddie's vision has become has gone beyond our wildest um, imaginings, really. Yeah. I have, um, right from the word go, I was almost always a big advocate for um, patient and family support because we knew nothing. We knew nothing of this insidious, horrible thing that, you know, Maddie used to say to me, Mum, I'm so sick of people saying, well, you don't look sick. Mm. And I said, I know, but they don't understand it, just Mm. like we perhaps didn't. Yeah. So, um. I was absolutely thrilled that that we were able to get to the point now where we've been able to make some inroads into that space of of, um, patient carer support Mm -hmm. and um, our um, scientific advisory board, part of of our structure, and Mm -hmm. these wonderful people um, suggested that we... Um, funded a grant called the Fiona Revolt Nursing and Allied Health wow. uh, Fellowship to ed- to help uh, nurses dealing with these patients because mm. most of them are young. Yeah, and there you go into another complete um, different perspective. Into a vortex, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's pretty exciting um, and I'm just so thrilled to to know and I have had some feedback that, mm. you know, rather than being handed a little brochure at Peter McCallum Clinic when Maddie mm-hmm. was first diagnosed that was about leukaemia, 
I mean, that's all they had to give us. And it wasn't leukaemia. So it was just such a blind spot and, Mm. and nobody... Nobody could really give us much information at all. So part of what we do is trying to make um, make what is known more available mm-hmm. to patients and carers in terms that they understand. Yeah, yeah. Because that can become another issue. It's, of course, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things um, people will have heard us talk about on the pod frequently as well, alongside our blood donation advocacy messages, is that we talk very much from our experience and the people within the Milkshakes for Motley community that um, it's not just the person that has the injury, illness or disability that is the person with additional needs. Those who are close to them become families with additional needs because so much of your life changes your priorities change your financial your social like everything changes and it's so important to be able to access Mm. those resources and support that are so important to yes yes Yes. Mm. so you know I I was thrilled to hear Jess say that that um and also of course we have our beautiful Mei Ling who's our um telehealth nurse who is the most exceptional human being Mm. um so she is there for people to chat to, to, to lean on, to um, get advice from. It, it's a hard road for, yes. you know, and when you're dealing with your child, it's um, you're sort of having to lead this double life mm. of being incredibly strong for them and at the same time, who cares for the carer? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, And I will refer our listeners as well to another episode that we did, um, and I'll pop a link in the show notes, with Emma Madsen, who has founded um, an organisation here on the Sunshine Coast called the Carers Club, and she cares for the carers. So she runs circles um, and does online support. Um, She does online Uh, circles as well so people from all over Australia can access them and they do video circles so that there's just that safe place that carers can go to feel seen and heard and understood um, outside the realms of caring for other people and that might be just one hour a month that they get to go to a carer's circle they might not even say anything but having that normalizing experience of seeing that other carers are there is just so important for those people so it can be a very lonely journey I mean when you're spending you know so much time in hospitals and it it, you know for the carers also any sort of normality that you had Mm. um has gone it's and this bizarre existence becomes a new normal and it's Mm. can be very very lonely so Mm. you know that that is a wonderful thing that we can now offer Mm support to people like that yeah I'm interested to hear yeah I'll link you in with Emma so one of the things that she's done as well is she's the first person potentially internationally but definitely in Australia um, to coin the phrase of a bereaved carer and she offers unique support for those people as well that fit into that category because 
you know, as you well know, after your loved one passes, that journey doesn't end that day Mm. for you. You still have to process that trauma and of the experience that you've had and the grief. And, you know, your identity changes so much as well because you've been tasked so much with being the primary care provider Mm. for that person quite often. Um, so it's such a unique service that she offers and yeah, yeah. I'd love to link you guys together Thank you. Um, so because I think you could do some beautiful things together that'd be great yeah um, now when I spoke to Jess she told me and I've also okay so full disclosure New South Wales girl did not grow up on AFL married a Tasmanian boy became AFL now okay. I have a mad keen 12 year old who plays AFL lives and breathes the GWS Giants because we lived in Canberra before we moved to Queensland. So um, got very well involved with them. Um, So it's now on in our house every Friday night. And I think we've pretty much (laughs) forgotten what rugby league is, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, So I know that when Maddie was growing up, she had a fierce love of sport. Um, Do you think she could have gone on to play professional AFL like Nick has, you know, with the development of the women's AFL. Can you see that could have been a pathway for her? Oh, absolutely. And when you, I I thought that's what you might come to then. (laughs) She would have been like, uh, when it all developed, because it came into being after she'd gone. Yes. Yeah. And we all just, you know, said to each other, oh, my golly, do you reckon she would be out there blowing her own trumpet? Pick yeah. me, pick me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. She was a big yeah. advocate for women's sport. Amazing. And fiercely loyal to, to whatever team she was with. Yeah. And even more fiercely loyal to her big brother. So yeah. when he was playing, you wouldn't want to say anything in the crowd because <laughs> you, you would get the wrath of Maddie. She'd let you know. Yes, yes. I love that. Yeah. And I love from what I've read and hearing other people speak about her as well, that incredibly tenacious spirit that mm-hmm. she had and, um, you know, the whole concept of fight like Maddie, you know, it just seems that she for every single day that she had on this earth she made an imprint and yeah it's yes. just such yeah. a bloody waste Fiona I just yeah yes I just... it is Kate and I just I was thinking this morning you know all the aspirations that you have for your children you want them to be happy you want them to be healthy you want all the good things for them and and yeah. she didn't get that chance no and um sorry okay. and it's not fair no it's not fair it's not fair no you know um she had so much living to do mm. and for her to have spent her last well probably six years the way she did was as a young you know, a twenty-one-year-old female who should be out there having the best time. Yeah, um, she was robbed yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, and, and six years is a fair percentage of a little life too. Yeah, 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 mm. and it's it's hard to watch. Yeah, absolutely, very hard to watch, and and no young person deserves that. No. Um. My mother was a wonderful support to me, especially when Maddie Maddie spent 270 days in ICU in one stint. Oh, wow. 
and never came out. And my mum was wonderful. She flew over and virtually ran the house and looked after Joe and I and the boys. And, and you know, she still to this day says to me, and she's now 93, where is the justice that at 93 I'm sitting here and I've led a life, I've led my life, mm. yet Maddie in particular, because she was house, um, was not given that chance. No. And mum and I often say we cannot bear to hear people saying, oh, I hate getting old, I hate this getting old. Thing. Such a privilege to get old. It is a privilege mm. and it's a privilege that many don't get. So, yeah. I appreciate different. that honesty too, Fiona, because we've spent a fair whack of time with our little girl in ICU as well and we've been to the brink a few times and we're very lucky to still have her. Um, and she's in remission at the moment, but we don't know what her future holds out. You know, healthcare professionals talk about when she relapses, not if she relapses. So while we live our best days <laughs> and try not to, you know, put that into, you know, her realm of understanding and just live our best life while we can. But I really struggled with the idea of um, the toxic positivity that can come with your child being sick. Um, we have also experienced infertility and, um, we've, you know, lost a baby in utero and had lots of different experiences. And it's that idea of, oh, you know, at least your other children are healthier. At least you've got other children oh. or, and it's really difficult because it is bloody unfair. Like, I think it's really important just to call out sometimes. That Absolutely. This is bullshit. Like it is not fair what happened to me no. and, you know, you don't have to see, you know, the sunshine and rainbows at the end of it. Like it's just bullshit. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's important to just call that out sometimes. You learn so much, don't you, Kate, going through this sort of thing about mm -hmm. the things in life or the things that are important. So much. And um, I've become, um, what's the word? Well, probably what Maddie would say was you've become a grumpy, old, um, <laughs> intolerant <laughs> Because I just can't bear the, the focus certain people put on such small. Frivolous. Yeah. Problems. So get a real problem is exactly. a well-used sentence. In I this would sentence. have said it like that if I did. Quite often we just have to take a step away from a situation or, you know, Jeff and I'll just have a little breather and walk away from a situation yes. and just get a real problem yeah. like we just let it out just have a breather and get on with it and you know yeah. we wish that we could have problems like that like wouldn't it be amazing to oh, be able to focus my on golly. My golly. <laughs> now one of the things that we try to switch a little bit in this pod as well is that when people um are afflicted with a horrible illness like your daughter was um so much of the focus of the way that people remember them is them sick or them being unwell um so if you feel comfortable and if it's too hard you can say no can we just take it back to what maddie was like when she was a little girl or when she was younger or before any of this happened like maddie pre-illness and just yes. tell me a little bit about your daughter oh maddie um feisty she was very feisty, even as a little one, yeah. and gung-ho, like yeah. just not fearful of anything would get out there and 
yeah, cheeky. Um, she had this habit of wherever we went when she was, you know, three, four, five, say we were going shopping and she'd see something and it would be the most hideous looking dress or no probably not a dress because she really didn't like dresses she was a typical tomboy very much tomboy but she'd look at me and she'd say mummy and she wouldn't say I want it yeah she'd say I need it I need it I need it no you don't need it but I do need it um very sadly Maddie also suffered a um quite a traumatic head injury when Mm. she was nine um, at school during a sport lesson. Um, She got hit in the head with a shot put and poor Maddie copped everything. I I just, yeah, yeah, it was just horrendous. But after that, she became quite fearful of certain things. She she became fearful of um, the dark. Mm-hmm. She became fearful of um, being left behind or so we had to deal with that as an mm-hmm. ongoing thing with her for quite quite a long time and it left mm-hmm. her with some issues as far as yeah. um, executive functions and planning and all that type of thing, but yeah, it, yeah. nothing else. She mm-hmm. was extremely lucky that she came through that. But um, she grew up in Queensland and was the typical Queensland teenager. Yeah. You know, bronzed body, surfing, you know, big party girl yeah. uh, with her friends and um, a huge, huge friend network. Um, and they are still part of our lives, these oh, people. So they are the most extraordinary group of young people. Mm. Um, oh, my golly, she played, first of all, she played baseball, baseball, AFL, hockey, soccer, tennis, you name it, she gave it a go. She was a very, very good soccer player. Yeah. She was playing women's soccer. Uh, when she became ill and that's part of when we started to notice Mm. that something these bruises were just like right horrendous Mm -hmm. um but she was my best friend and we did we did everything together and she would help me with my my um horrendous typing skills when it came to <laughs> school reporting time and she'd say what do I get out of this <laughs> those things say, that you need yes <laughs> but I need it so it was a done deal with Maddie and I that every um every semester when it was report writing time yeah um I would dictate she would type because she was very quick And um, she would then from that get a massage and a a dim sum lunch or. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was our little deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, 
we did everything together and especially here after she was diagnosed she couldn't do stuff with her friends she couldn't yeah, sure. work she couldn't um so yeah you know we'd have mm-hmm. our um we'd look forward to our binges yeah where we'd stay in our jammies on the couch and we'd either get jocks ice cream if we yeah. were in Melbourne or it'd be Ben and Jerry's in Queensland and we wouldn't even put it in a bowl. <laughs> That's awesome. And we'd sit with a tub <laughs> and we'd watch, what was the first one? The OC, that was yeah. the big one she loved. And then um, Revenge was another. So we'd just binge watch and binge eat. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was fun. She was a fun girl. She was loyal, very witty, like quick-witted, like she'd have people in stitches. Yeah. Um, and as I said before, very, very loyal, mm-hmm. very loyal. She was a beautiful girl. Yeah. And you couldn't possibly have known with some of those things that you just told me, because it was well before she got sick, mm. how important those moments and mm. that time that you carved out, you know, people think they're so busy and they're too busy to carve out those moments and spend that time, but you just can't take it for granted because you no. just don't know. Like none of us know whether no. it's you or your kids or the people that you love, like no time is promised no. to anybody. And I'm so glad that you had those times with her. Oh. But- you could, yeah, that you've got them to treasure. Yes, now. yeah, and and they, um, and I, I sometimes become fearful that some of the memories will will fade. So I talk about Maddie all the time, yeah, all yeah. the time, and I know it makes some people quite uncomfortable, mm. but that's not my problem. No, it's not, um, and I will continue to talk about Maddie. The way that we talk about it with our kids. So um, Campbell, our middle guy, has an identical twin brother who died. Um, And we haven't asked our kids to walk our grief path, but we definitely include him as part of our family. And he's very much woven through the fabric of our family in a lot of ways. And we say to our kids, you know, just because we can't see somebody anymore doesn't mean that they're not still part of our family and that we can still love them even if Mm -hmm. we can't see them. And that has served them really well, you know, losing grandparents and, you know, friends of the family and those kinds of things that I think they've got that narrative that I don't know that I was set up well with when I was younger Mm. um, to be able to talk about those things. And, you know, I think it's really important for any listener to know that if someone is bereaved in some way, that they probably really want you to say the name of the person that they love. And if they don't, they'll let Mm. you know, but how much people love talking about the people that they've lost. Yes, and I can remember saying to to my mum and my husband and the boys, I said, you know, I, this was early on after we lost Maddie. It just, I, I became very um, wary of going anywhere because I, I felt like the elephant in the room yeah. and people would avoid you. And people would come up to you and start talking about something so bizarre. Mm. And it's obviously because they felt uncomfortable. They just didn't know what to say. And I just believe that, you know, people would rather, look, I'm surmising mm, on my course. own behalf. Yeah. I would rather somebody come up to me and say, 
I just don't know what to say. Yeah. Then say nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you say nothing, you're not acknowledging Maddie. You don't have to say a name. You don't have to. But just say, I don't know what to say. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Maddie is a big part of our life still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we that. had a 30th birthday party here for her and all her friends came and we had people come from Queensland and from Hobart and Joe and I live in a tiny apartment and it poured with rain so we were <laughs> crammed in like sardines and one of the boys said well that's Maddie she wouldn't yeah. want us to be having a good time without her she's made that happen that's beautiful she knows we're all partying and she's not here so she's gonna make it miserable <laughs> um yeah so you know pretty lucky with all these young people still and what a phenomenal impact she must have had on people's lives for them to still be involved in something yeah. like that like I can't imagine you know had I passed in my mid-20s that I would have had enough of an impact on people that they would have even you yeah. know known that it was my 30th birthday so it just it's such a testament to her and the way that you have honored her legacy so beautifully and her wishes yeah. before she passed as well um so during her treatment um have you got any idea how many blood transfusions that she had and what the impact of those oh blood transfusions golly, were? Kate. Hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're spanning six years. And, and mm-hmm. to begin with, we had three months where we did not know what this was. Right. So it was blood tests every, um, well, first of all, every week, and then mm-hmm. it went down to every, probably every four days. So at that stage, she was possibly having transfusions Um one a week right um and there were times when it went to uh, two a week Mm -hmm. so hundreds Um, and hundreds then hundreds so there's every chance that there was thousands of blood donors that made up the blood products that Maddie needed and you know improved her quality of life prolonged her life um she, gave her a fighting she stayed with us she, she was with us yeah exactly yeah. Mm. um she would not have survived without them because they were just you know she she would have no platelets at all yeah at yeah. some stages mm. so it, it was vital it was it was life or death mm. stuff and that was her big big thing that she wanted to make people aware of right in the beginning because she said people don't realise, they think it's just, you know, for people that have had an operation or people that have given birth or people yeah. that are. And that's so true. Yeah. That's so true that people don't really, you know, here's this girl, beautiful girl walking around that mm. is only walking around because of these people that gave up you know an hour or two to go in yeah absolutely and we're exactly the same with Marley so that's a big part of the reason that I made this podcast um so Marley has a condition called autoimmune encephalitis um so her immune system is wrongly identifying her healthy brain cells as foreign and attacking her brain 
Um, she is in remission at the moment, so she's not on a regular protocol. Um, but when she is, she's in three days out of every 10 having plasma yes. infusion. Um, and for her, it is life-saving when she has an acute relapse and life-preserving for every infusion in between. Yes. And you know, people just didn't realize, well, you know, people in our circle did just didn't realize that blood products could do something like that. Mm. They think about the acute trauma, they potentially think about cancer or burns, but they don't realize that it can be across somebody's mm-hmm. lifespan. Um, so that's a big part of the reason that we've started this podcast is to give, you know, recipients and their families the opportunity to thank the blood donors that have given so mm. much for them in the hope of recruiting new ones, but also to be able to tell those stories and raise awareness about how important blood products are. Absolutely. And, you know, there are angels of people that do this. They absolutely, absolutely. are. Maddie has um, a group of friends from her school. Mm. Um, there were f- five boys, um, all classmates, um, one of them from the time they were in prep mm-hmm. right through. And these boys have continued their blood donations mm-hmm. and they're now up around something like 300 That's or something. Awesome. That's really, really cool. And they send me photos. So I'll, yeah. get a, I'll get a photo pop up on my phone and it's just of an arm and a, yeah. and a ball in his hand and a thumbs yeah. up and, yeah amazing yeah and so so, so important yeah I'm so grateful that yeah you know all right we haven't got Maddie but we had a maybe longer than we would have yeah and, absolutely and we had hope yep we yep. had hope. and look at the impact that she still continues to have yes. on the world you know yes. those people are now making life-saving blood donations mm. For other people and it's not just keeping those other people alive it's keeping those other families together and that's magical that oh, she still has absolutely. that absolutely i mean that's like the little seed and then all the better things come from it and um yeah i, I just can't yeah. begin to thank all those people that do that enough mm. and just pray that they they keep doing it yeah absolutely mm. Um, what kind of support have you guys got um, through the AFL? I know that Jack and Nick do the big game um, where they play and they, you know, do fight like Maddie and Maddie's vision and that kind of thing. Have you found that useful in getting your messaging out to a broader audience? We were very lucky. We were very lucky we had a platform to use. Mm-hmm. Um, we were lucky that Nick had a profile, Jack had a profile. Yeah. It would be so difficult to get a message out without that sort of yeah. um, support. Uh, Snowdome, were, who were our initial um, contact um, to begin Maddie's Vision, they approached us and helped us immensely and we mm-hmm. sort of rode on their back for the first yeah. couple of years before yeah. we, we became an independent body and um you know that was wonderful because the word was there but then the AFL community took it to another level for us Mm -hmm. um and one night over dinner we were just talking about the you know Jack and Nick and the rivalry and what Maddie felt about it and she always used to say um oh, I can't wait for that game. I can't wait for that game where Nick plays Jack. She said, I really, really, really 
want Jack to play well, but I want us to win. (laughs) So she was hedging a bet either way. (laughs) And we were sitting there and I said, you know, whenever Richmond play St Kilda, we should always think of it as Maddie's match. Yeah. And that's where it started and and, um, we approached the AFL and they have been extraordinary. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's seven years now since we lost Maddie, coming up to eight, which I can't believe because it feels like yesterday. Um, So for all that time, they have supported us. They have um, accommodated some of our needs. They have supported the fact that we wanted to have this game each year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's a pretty amazing community, the AFL community. Yeah. So um, we, um, on a much smaller level, but um, had the most amazing support from the GWS Giants. When Marley was at her sickest, um, it was the season that Callan Ward, who was co-captaining at the time, did his ACL and he was pretty much out for the entire season. It was the year that they were in the grand final and all of those things. And he spent a lot of that year just coming and hanging out in hospitals, um, dropping me coffee at hospitals. The team were just, you know, they, it wasn't social media opportunities or like any of those no. things. They're just really great blokes that just, you know, the team making little video messages for our sons who were yeah. back home in Canberra when we were in Sydney. Um, they went one day and surprised the boys at school, just went and knocked on the door, pulled them out of class and went and kicked a football while the rest of their classmates were sitting there looking out the window just going... What on earth just happened? You know, <laughs> the Giants just rocked up to pull Thomas out of class to go and kick oh. a football with him. You know, just those things that I think footy players can quite often get a pretty bad rap. Um, but so many of them are just really great blokes that are raising young families and, you know, doing something that they love. And, you know, so many of them have got big yeah. stories like this behind them that people don't often see past no. the jersey, no. you know, and there is rough and tumble on the field and there's all of that kind of stuff. But underneath it, they're blokes who they're you know, people, doing they're the best caring. that they can like the rest yeah. of us. Yeah. yeah. So, Look, yeah, St. shout Kilda. out to the AFL. They've been Absolutely. amazing to our family and, and as well. I have to mention St Kilda Football Club. Yeah. Nick was um, playing because they um, the support they showed us was not just... Um, it, they wrapped their arms around us, yeah. literally. They mm. they sent food packages to to Joe and I, to Nick and Kath, to mm. Alex and Roxy. We were getting, um, they never forget Maddie's birthday. Mm. They sent flowers to me on Maddie's birthday. You can't put a price on something like that, can you? You know, like, Mother's just, Day. Just um just exceptional, exceptional, caring, beautiful people. And, you know, we're extremely grateful. And we know that Maddie's match will not probably continue forever. You know, there will be, I mean, Nick doesn't play anymore. And Jack is coming to the, not that he would want to hear me say that, but to the end of his playing career. And and I just think, um. Yes, you have given us the chance to reach so many mm. people in the community. Yeah. 
And so many kids as well that are fighting a battle similar to what Maddie did. Like I know when we did Seth's aplastic anemia episode, they talked about that match and it was COVID times and he didn't get to the first one that he was supposed to go to or whatever. But it meant that he felt seen because there was other people that knew what his condition was, what his family was going through, you know. it yes. Yeah, yeah, just makes people feel seen and understood. And, you know, just that awareness raising that if someone else yeah. has that bruising that shows up or whatever, they might be able to get things checked out a little bit more quickly yeah. or the constant bleeding yeah. noses or whatever it is, you know, it's so important to keep this, you know. And it's it's a means, it's a platform to educate as yeah, well as, absolutely. you yeah. know, as well as fundraise for us. And fundraising is, you know, you, you feel awful asking for money. Mm. but money is the only thing that can fund this research yeah yeah well we are I don't know if I'll keep this bit in the episode but we're at at the exact same crossroads with trying to keep this podcast going and we you know have recruited I don't know I can't I can't even tell you now how many new blood donors out of doing this but my husband and I make the whole thing by ourselves we both volunteer our time to do it I write it I source our guests um I do everything Jeff does the audio production and we've put out a weekly episode now. Um, we did have a break between seasons, but I think, you know, by the time this comes out, it's mid forties in the episodes that we've wow. put out and, you know, the amount of different lives that we've touched in doing that is amazing, but you know, you can't run on nothing. So no. <laughs> I guess if anyone hears this episode and yes. they're, you know, interested in some corporate sponsorship to help yes. us please continue help. to promote this please <laughs> to continue to promote this message yeah. because I know that it's so important um not just in terms of you know recruiting new blood donors and that messaging but it also helps so many you know we've had so many communities form out of this outside milkshakes for Mali that people have heard about another family mm-hmm. that is experiencing something quite similar to them and they've been able to reach out and get support from other people oh. and it's, it's vital. It's just magical. Yeah. It's vital. It, it's mm. vital so you don't feel alone and that you're not, <clears throat> excuse me, walking down this path by yourself. No, no. It is so important because mm. it can be a very, very dark yeah. place. There's nothing more isolating as a carer yeah. than being in those yeah. hospital walls. Yeah. So I admire what you're doing very much, Kate. Thank I think it's so wonderful. Much. That means the world to me, Fiona. Thank Wonderful. You. No, I wish there'd been things like this, you know. Um, I know Maddie got a lot of comfort from, from Facebook and yeah. talking to, um, you know, she, and I didn't even know she'd done this. She was talking to a young man on Facebook who had just had his transplant and she would ask him all these questions. She never let on to me that she was doing this. And it was only after we lost Maddie that I met Adrian. And, oh, what a special young man he is. He is just, he travelled with me to Sydney. We went to a conference in Sydney as a carer and patient together. Um, he's married. He His second child has just turned one. Um, and he is a huge part of our lives now at MRV he comes to every function he works as a volunteer at everything we do and I know that the fact that Maddie could chat with him gave her uh, comfort and um, hope 
so are so so grateful and you know you you have to have these these profiles to be yeah, able to to yeah. communicate with people we would love to have Adrian on the podcast after just telling that story. And the thing that popped straight into my head was when you said he's just had his second child, if it wasn't for Australian blood donors, those children would never have been. No. It's not just Adrian that's not there. It's no. that the children would never have been exactly. born. He wouldn't be able to do this amazing work that he's doing mm. with Maddie's vision now. Um, yeah, it's joining those dots. It's like you were saying yeah. before about the little seed and how much bigger it makes it. I'll have um, a chat to him, Kate. Yeah, I'd love it. If you could connect us, that would be really amazing. Yes, I will. Um, now we're almost to the end of our episode, but can you tell me about the campaign that you guys are running this November with Maddie's vision? Right. Um, very early on in the piece at MRV, we were contacted by a company called Flavorite. Mm-hmm. Um and the family that own and developed Flavorite from one seedling to yes. this enormous business it is today approached us. Um, the Millis family were going through something similar. Um, mm. Mark Millis, the father, um, and he had two sons that actually ran the business, but Mark, um, Mark was ill, uh, very sadly passed away recently. And they approached us to say that they would like to support Maddie's vision and the work we were doing. And they support us to the tune of about $100,000 every year. Oh, wow, that's amazing. And what we run is it's called Maddie's Month. It runs for the month of November um, and through Coles, in, in conjunction with Coles, um, there are specially marked packages of their cherry vine tomatoes right. um, and their little tomatoes. And they're marked with purple and they have Maddie's Vision logo on them. Yeah. So the more, the more tomatoes people buy and eat, <laughs> uh, the better for us because it's money for research and so this isn't even funny but marley is completely obsessed with cherry tomatoes there you go she all of our children have autism and it's one of her obsessions is cherry tomatoes this is very i didn't know exactly what the campaign was really oh my god very strange for fruit break every day one of her challenges this year has to be been to have something other than cherry tomatoes in her lunchbox for fruit break and we've tried every other bloody I'll fruit just let it happen for november Look, i'm not gonna argue anymore i'm just gonna buy the tomatoes oh, you can bless. have all the tomatoes and we'll make sure we get some photos of her with that particular tomato box oh, as well and send it through to you fantastic. so we can do some cross promotion yeah that is hilarious be, i'll send we, you a photo when we get off this kid is obsessed with tomatoes that's a sign i think i think it is we were supposed to have this chat today yes <laughs> all right on that note final question um what message do you have for um, the Australian blood donors who, the thousands of Australian blood donors who donated and their products went to Maddie um, or anyone who's considering a donation in the future? For all those that have, it's thank you. Mm. From the bottom of my heart, it is a gift of life that you have given and, you know, you had you gave my daughter the best possible chance 
and without you, whoever you were, and there'll probably be so many of you, um, we wouldn't have had our beautiful girl for as long as we did. Um, for those that are considering it, you know, what an amazing thing to be able to say you've done, that you have either saved somebody's life or you have given somebody's family the chance to to have them the longer yeah um yeah I'm just will be eternally grateful yeah thank you so much for joining us today on the milkshakes for Marley podcast it's been an honor to have you with us um and I hope we chat again soon thanks Kate You can hear how emotional I was getting at the end of this episode. And I just want to thank Fiona for her incredible advocacy work and for sitting down with me, mother to mother, to talk about our girls. Fiona, I wish I could give you just one more afternoon in your PJs and ice cream on the couch with your best mate, Maddie. And it's such an important reminder of us all to slow down and to enjoy the time that we have with our loved ones. Nothing feels more Australian like the modern demonstration of mateship than donating blood or breast milk and this product being used to keep another Australian alive. Our daughter is still alive today because of this incredible selfless gift and it is my privilege to create a space for others to tell their stories and to give thanks. This episode was written and hosted by me, Kate Fisher. Today's guest was Fiona Rewalt. Audio production by my husband and Marley's dad, Jeff. If today has inspired you to make a blood donation, we would love it if you could add your donation to the Milkshakes for Marley Lifeblood team. You can request this when you book in for your donation by calling Lifeblood on 13 14 95. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please let us know if you have a story to share or to nominate a guest who you would like me to interview by DMing me through the Milkshakes for Marley Instagram page. And we would love it if you could rate, share or review this episode and send an episode to a friend. And as always, I will leave the final word to Marley. Thank you for my prize, Marley.